The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You're listening to the international hit show, The Baby Names Podcast. And here are your hosts, the Moss Sisters. I'm Jennifer Moss. And I'm Mallory Moss. And we're the founders of babynames.com. And we're sisters too. Yep, we are. And our first segment is interesting names we've found since the last episode. And I saw online a baby girl named Everett. E-V-E-R-E-T-T-E. Now the story goes the parents decided it would be Everett for a boy or Everett. E-T-T-E for a girl. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I really like Everett, the traditional spelling, but is Everett with the E-T-T-E pronounced exactly like the male name or with an emphasis like Everett on the latter part of the name? Everett. Yeah, that's what I think. If the latter, then it reminds me too much of Smurfette. I'm, I can't unthink that one. I'm sorry. What do you think, Mel? I actually like Everett, and that's how I would pronounce it. Not Everett, but Everett. You know me and French-sounding names. I love them. Yeah. It doesn't sound like Smurfette at all. Now, does Smurfette (laughs) sound French? No. Well, it doesn't sound like it, but it reminds me of it. All right. I am into spice names lately, and I don't mean the Spice Girls, although they're awesome, of course. (laughs) Yes. Ginger, spice, and Rosemary, of course, are common spice names, but what about Paprika with Poppy for short? I think that would be totally cute. And we can't forget about Saffron, a name used in Absolutely Fabulous, which was a great show, of course. What do you think of Paprika, Jen? I'm just mad about Saffron. Remember Mellow Yellow? Don't like Paprika. It's not Paprika. I call it paprika, paprika. I think it's terrible. But just the other day, I was thinking about how much I love the name Basil or Basil. Baz for short. Like Baz Luhrmann. Yeah. Let's get into it. We have a very important episode Mm -hmm. this month in honor of Black History Month. We're going to talk about names and prejudice. We hope you'll enter this topic with an open mind, accepting the fact that there's always more to learn. Absolutely. And we're bringing back to the show Dr. Iman Nick, to whom we spoke for the Names in Holocaust episode. And many of our listeners said that that was their absolute favorite episode by far. So listeners, if you haven't heard it yet, please go back and listen when you have a chance. And I'll repeat what I said in that episode. We can't ignore name topics because they're unpleasant. It's all a part of our history. Exactly. Professor Iam Nick is a sociolinguist with a specialization in forensic onomastics and investigative psychology. She is the president of the Germanic Society for Forensic Linguistics and the editor-in-chief of Names, the scientific journal of the American Names Society. Among her many publications is her latest book, Personal Names, Hitler and the Holocaust, a socio-onomastic study of genocide and Nazi Germany. 
Welcome back to the show, Dr. Nick. We're so happy to have you back. I'm thrilled to be here. So Dr. Nick, let's start from the very beginning. Will you define the difference between prejudice and discrimination? Um, the interesting thing is that most people use these terms interchangeably, but in point of fact, they're quite different. So when you have a prejudice against something, it means that you have an attitude. It's a personal bias that could be shared by others. Um, and it's usually based on your belief system. Discrimination is something different. Discrimination is when you actually take an action. So when you do something on the basis of a belief system that you have or a prejudice that you have. And Prejudice is truly exactly what the word contains. It is prejudging something. So before you get the facts and discrimination means that you have prejudged something. And on the basis of that prejudgment, before you've assembled the facts, you react or act. That is discrimination. And what is name-based prejudice and name-based discrimination? This is a really complex issue, and it's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm just absolutely thrilled that you all have given me the opportunity to talk about this, because it is multifaceted, and I'm looking forward to getting into to all of the nitty-gritty details about this. But basically, if we're talking about name-based discrimination or prejudice, what you are essentially talking about are the beliefs that people have in attachment to names. They are making assumptions based on a name before they assemble the facts or they selectively assemble facts, that would be a name-based prejudice. And name-based discrimination would be when someone takes action because of the associations or the beliefs that they have in connection to that name. Um, and what I think is really important here is that when we talk about name-based discrimination or prejudice, I think it's really important, and I try to always say this myself, that people discriminate against names, and we're going to be talking primarily about personal names today, not because of the names themselves, but because of their own prejudices. And I think that that's important to make that distinction because it puts the onus of responsibility not on the person who carries the name, but the person who holds the prejudice and is displaying the discriminatory behavior. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, that's really interesting. We've talked previously about name association, which is very much at kind of the basis of all this, right? Because when you first hear a name, you associate it with something. And I've kind of divided that in between personal association which is like people you've known in your past. So for example, if a couple are considering names, they're like, well, I can't name them Paul, for example, because that's the name of my ex, you know? And then there is kind of a public association where it would be identified with like a public figure where everyone would associate it with the same person. For example, Adolf, mm -hmm. you know? Absolutely. You know? But in both of those situations, what you essentially have is associations that people have that are conjured up with a particular personal name. Everybody has this, positive and negative. You might be attracted to somebody because they have a, a name that you find attractive, or you might uh, be repelled by someone who has a, a name 
that you find repulsive because of the associations that you have with it. But what you're reacting to is your association. It's not necessarily the name itself. And I think this is really important because people who happen to have these names where others have very strong reactions to them often get put into the position where they have to change their behavior. Actually, they have nothing to do with the association that you might have. Or defend it even. Or defend it. Exactly. So what kind of name-based discrimination has been documented in research? There has been a tremendous amount of research in this area. And one of the reasons why is because all of us have names. So we're all very interested to see how people are reacting to names. Um, And what we're finding is over many decades of research is that people not only have very strong positive and negative reactions to names um, and the associations that come with them, so their prejudices, but they also take action. And unfortunately, sometimes those actions are discriminatory. So for example, what we have found in the area of job applications, um, this is something that we've all had to go through where you send your your application out and one of the uh, identifiers that you have to put on your job application is your name. And what we have consistently found is that people who have names that are associated with particular groups that group could be a gender group, so male, female, for example. It could be a racial group, black, white. It could be ethnicity, Hispanic, non-Hispanic, Catholic, Jewish, all the different ways that people identify themselves in their names. Those names can also carry associations or trigger associations in others. And in the case of discrimination in employment, what we find is that employers will make decisions on whether or not they call back an applicant or interview an applicant simply Mm -hmm. upon the name, their reaction to the name. And how do we know this? This has been tested in one of the most elegant ways. And uh, it's, it's a very sneaky way, but it's very effective. And that is that you send out thousands of applications that are exactly the same that they have one variation, and that is the name of the applicant. What we have consistently found is that organizations, when they're advertising for a new employee, will have a higher callback rate for those applications that have a name that is, for example, something that they consider to be white or sounding white or sounding male. And applications that sound as if they belong to other groups, for example, Hispanic or African-American or simply foreigner or um, associated with female gender, those names get put into a completely different pile. Sometimes they are not called at all, or sometimes they're even uh, told outright that the position has been filled when it actually hasn't been filled. And we've seen the same kind of data coming out when we test housing. So when people apply for an apartment that has been um, advertised or they perhaps want to buy a house, when we have tested over the decades and we've sent in the applications and the only thing that has varied has been the name of the applicant, we have seen exactly the same thing. People who have names that others associate with belonging to groups of minorities that historically have been discriminated against are told either the place that they're looking for, the apartment that they were interested in is no longer available. 
Sometimes they're told that they do not have any units available, so they need not try to ever try to get housing there again, or they simply do not get a response at all. And we also see this, unfortunately, in education, exactly the same pattern where we've tested and we've sent, for example, essays out to teachers and we've asked them to mark them. And we found that those essays that carry the name of someone who might belong to our minority group, that those essays receive lower grades than those <laughs> essays that have been marked with names that are associated with majority groups. Wow. It's interesting that you noted both job applications and housing, because when I was married, I took my husband's surname, which is Hispanic. And I, for the first time in my life, encountered both of those. I suddenly went on interviews where people wouldn't even look in my, into my eyes. They would end the interview after five or 10 minutes when I was used to having interviews go for 30 or 40 minutes. And when we were looking for a particular place, we knew we where we wanted to live. Um, and it was a really beautiful neighborhood. And we were told, oh, there's nothing available there in that area. And we were actually steered towards the more Hispanic neighborhoods, which, you know, again, it never happened to me. I'm a white person. And it was just so eye-opening to me. You know, I'm so glad that you mentioned this because it really does make the point, again, you haven't changed your personality. You are still right. the person that you were before. The only thing that's happened is you've taken on a name that other people have certain associations with, mm -hmm. and they are prejudging you on the basis of their negative associations. What's also, I think, really maddening about the situation is one that it's, it's very often unconscious. So that if you ask people, do you discriminate against people who are in these groups? They will usually tell you, no, we don't do that at all. And we have very strict policies about it. If for no other reason, because um, many nations have been very good about passing this kind of anti-discrimination legislation. But when you test to see what they actually do, not what they think they do, because many of these biases are unconscious, we find that they are following their prejudices. Now, the reaction that people have had because they, they realize that this occurs, some of them have decided, okay, well, I have no other choice. I have to change my name. So perhaps you might decide if you have the option that you would not use a name that you consider to be marked for a particular group that might be discriminated against. That might mean that you use one of your other names that are, are at your disposal or you might mm -hmm. change your name completely. So instead of calling yourself Julia, you say that your name is Julia. So you simply change the pronunciation mm -hmm. or you might change it absolutely and say, no, my name is Rebecca. And I will only use that when I am looking for housing or applying for a new job. Mm -hmm. Some people will take on a completely different name. And um, this has actually been called whitening, yeah, where people are trying mm -hmm. to erase part of their background um, in an attempt to to pass through and at least get a chance at whatever it is that they're they're hoping for. And here's what we find: when people do this and they come into these environments, they may have been able to get through the front door, but the problem is the biases that would have blocked them before still exist. Mm. And there's another problem that we found. 
some people make the conscious choice, okay, I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to alter my name so that I can get through the front doors. We've just said that can be heartbreaking because we haven't addressed the issue. As I said, the issue is not changing the victim's behavior. The issue is changing the offender's behavior. There are some people who say, look, I'm very proud of my name and they're going to have to change and I'm not going to change my name at all. It's an uphill battle. Some people choose um, to fight that battle and the results have been heartbreaking for many people. Some people uh, are particularly emboldened to take that courageous step and to say, I'm going to tell you what my real name is Mm -hmm. uh, with pride and joy and hope, particularly when they see um, written in the small print that our organization uh, supports diversity and inclusion, Mm -hmm. or that it says that we follow the laws of protecting minorities. And unfortunately, what we have found is statistically, those organizations whether they're federal contractors or whether they are private employers who are following the equal opportunity uh, laws, what we have found is that they discriminate at exactly the same rates. Right. Yeah. A lot of companies are doing that because they have to or because they want to um, show that they are inclusive and ride the wave of inclusivity, but deep down, no real systemic change has happened. Exactly. They they haven't done the work. Changing attitudes and changing beliefs takes years of hard work because it is unconscious behavior and it's automatic behavior. Um, So putting those kinds of statements in, here's the irony. You encourage people to put themselves in a vulnerable position, and then they are punished. Now, you yourself have an Arabic name, and I found that post 9-11, there was a surge of prejudice against those who have Middle Eastern and Arabic names. Now, have you felt it? How has your name in particular affected your life? That is such a brilliant question. My name, Iman, exists in many different languages. It exists in Arabic, for example, but it also exists in Spanish. Because I'm a names researcher and I'm aware of those kinds of associations, I always publish under my initials I.M. And my reason for doing that is I do not want my name to affect the reading of my writing. I want you to look at what I have produced in my data and not allow your inner prejudices, positive or negative, to color what it is that I am trying to convey to you. And part of the reason why I've done that is because I have historically found that having my name, because it is something that is so common in so many different cultures and languages, often triggers a very strong reaction, positive or negative. Um, During the Gulf War, for example, when I would travel back home, I permanently reside in Germany, but when I would travel back home to visit my mom in the States, I always knew what the political situation was by how people reacted when I went through immigration just going through the airport. In times of conflict, I would immediately be stopped and people would say, Iman, what kind of a name is that? That sounds like a foreign name. Where do you come from? You have an American accent, but you don't have an uh, American uh, ID here. Why are you living in Germany? What are you doing in Germany? Mm. 
didn't necessarily help that many of the terror cells were found in Germany uh, <laughs> after a nine. That, that wasn't a helper. So I've also had people who have said to me that I shouldn't be allowed to have the name Iman because Iman is marked for male in their culture. And they found that to be obscene. I have had people who have told me that my name was offensive to them and that I should change my name because a woman should not have that name. So you felt it on both a cultural and gender-based level then. Yeah, absolutely. Or simple things of people saying, your name is too short. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard of that. I've had people say my name is too short. I've had, just as other people have had them say, your name is way way too long. It's not going to fit into all of our blanks. So change because we're not going to. Yeah, yeah. Just like it's on them, not on you. Right. Exactly. What are the repercussions on an individual and at a societal level? Well, on the individual level, as we've talked about before, this can mean um, that you're going to have difficulty getting the job that you want or getting the housing that you want or even getting the education that you want and deserve. What I think is particularly disturbing about this is that we see this not only affecting adults, we also see this affecting children and in some of the most horrific ways. And this is where my heart bleeds. We as adults tend to have the reaction of saying, it's just a name. It doesn't mean anything. Just rise above it, look past it. It's not going to hurt you. The point of fact is name calling is one of the earliest and most toxic forms of abuse that Mm. children learn to wield. It is the very first weapon that we put into our children's hands. And it is one of the most deadly weapons that we allow our children to use on a daily basis. And I know that some people are going to bristle when when I use the word deadly. They're going to think that that is perhaps exaggeration. But the point of fact is when we look at data of children who have gone through horrific bullying over years and who have then decided that they are going to take their own lives Mm. because that is the only way that they can see themselves rescuing themselves from the situation, right? So again, we're seeing the victim Mm -hmm. thinking the only way I'm going to get out of this is if I change me. And if I'm the problem, the only way to solve the problem is to get rid of me. Mm. When we look at the lives that these children have led, what we have found is that they often have long histories of having been abused through serial, offensive, disgusting, sadistic name-calling. Some of those children will take their own lives, and some of those children will decide to take the lives of others. I remember when this happened, I was probably around seven or eight, and I was with a family, kind of like at a family picnic of someone else's, and I was meeting people for the first time, and all of the kids decided to think of mean names that started with Mal. And I remember like malfunction most significantly. And it was tragic. And I have always associated my name. Well, the meaning of my name is unfortunate, literally unfortunate. It's also that stuck with me and I'm 54. And that stuck with me and always made me feel like something was wrong with me, that I was a malfunction. Absolutely. 
it's it and it's something that we all carry i think i have never encountered somebody who has not had that experience where they have been the target of name calling and it happens in open and usually it happens in situations not just where it's a group against one but it also happens in situations where adults are around and they're just observing this or they're instigating it. Like my dad thought he was funny making fun of kids' names. Exactly. We found that name calling has a negative effect on people's self-esteem. It damages their sense of self and being and their well-being, rates of depression, social withdrawal, threatening themselves or threatening others. It affects their whole identity formation. It has an impact on how they interact in their future relationships with other people, how much they can trust them. Is this person also going to tease or make fun of me? And it's, at the end of the day, simply verbal abuse. And it's verbal abuse that's socially tolerated. And as we all know, when you tolerate something, you can also indirectly encourage it. Absolutely. So we deal with a lot of parents who are in the process of naming babies. So From the parent's perspective, do they, and I know a lot of parents take bullying and name calling into account when they're choosing a name, but it's been less so in the past 10 years as say from the 1950s or 60s when it was all about conforming and being the same. Now parents are looking for unique names. Do they avoid the more unique names or names that would be subject to name calling and again whiteify everything or how do we approach this what's the solution Uh, the solution is to work against the tolerance of name calling it's not to tell the victim or the potential victim you're going to have to change your behavior you're not only going to have to change your behavior you're going to have to anticipate the behavior of a future offender we have to change the way our strategy of dealing with this kind of prejudice. What we have to do is we have to work systematically every single day of our lives against this form of prejudice, which means that when we see it happen, we call it out. We do not engage in it. And we do not allow ourselves the psychological out of saying, well, I'm laughing. So as long as I think it's funny, you should think it's funny. There is no safe name, unfortunately, because we talked about this in our name pronunciation episode is that, you know, people will willfully mispronounce names or they will not listen to you when you pronounce your name. And, you know, our conclusion is listen to the person and respect how they want their name pronounced. And in a way, this kind of follows that too, is like you have to respect the name. Your reaction to a name has no bearing on anything. If it's a person's name, it's their identity. You accept the pronunciation, you accept the name, and you move on. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I hope that we are going to enter a new phase as a society where we will be respectful of one another in ways that we have not been in the past few years. And then there's the names that have been brought into pop culture that mean other things like Karen, like Brandon, like Chad, you know, (laughs) 
which there there have always been that where one name is singled out to mean a specific characteristic or a culture or you know and I think we need to eliminate that as well because I know so many lovely Karens that were just horrified by that it's it's incredibly dangerous Mm -hmm. um I've been working with a a lot of people who have the name Karen and many of them have become suicidal because of this. It is 24 hours a day and they're not just memes, although that's bad enough. Right. People that have this name are also getting death threats. The strategy, the strategy of employing the same techniques of another offender is at best counterproductive. Exactly. It just makes you an offender. It makes you an offender. It makes you a willing offender. But in the real world, as we're just discussing now, parents do still have to take into account the teasing factor of a name. In an ideal world, you wouldn't have to take that into account and just say, own up to your name. It's you. It's not them. But that's not how bullying works because it does get under your skin and it does have profound effects on your mental health. So, you know, coming back to what advice can we give parents when it comes to using a unique or a name that matches your ethnicity or honoring an adoptee's original name, what can we tell them? I would tell them exactly the same advice that I would give to a parent who was trying to protect their child against any risk in the environment. And that is, you have to keep your eyes open. The world can be a dangerous place. It means that you have to have an open, loving, and respectful relationship with your child so that when your child encounters this kind of prejudice, that child can come to you and talk with you about what they are experiencing. And they know that you are going to have that child's back. You're going to advocate for them. You are going to explain to them that it is not about you, although it affects you, But the solution is not um, for you to change your name. The solution is to stop the people who are maligning your name. Mm -hmm. In the same way that we have those issues um, when you have a baby girl, the fear that one day your daughter is going to go out there in the world and there may be someone who wants to cause her harm. The answer to that is to make strong women who are not afraid to say, I will not accept abuse. I am proud of myself. I am proud of my gender. I will protect myself. I will protect others. I will invest in creating and maintaining safe environments. I will not participate in harming other people as much as I will not accept it for myself. It's the same advice we have to give to our children and their names. Be proud, be strong, be courageous, be open and be honest and come to us as allies, friends and loved ones. And we will march with you to stop this. Dr. Nick, I love that. Thank you so much for joining us and for participating and encouraging us to approach this very important topic. Absolutely. Thank you so much. My pleasure. My pleasure. Anytime. Stay with us after the break. We'll return with listener letters. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, so as you know, by now, we've popped out the celebrity baby news from the podcast and made its own little weekly episode with our celebrity baby blogger, Kate Fan. And if you want to know our reactions to the latest celebrity baby names, join us in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash baby names podcast. Come chat with us. We want to know what you think, too. And for the top of the minute celebrity baby news, go to babynames.com and click celebrities in the menu. Okay, now our last segment is letters from our listeners. Here's the first one. Hi, Jennifer. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Hi, Jennifer and Mallory. I've been listening to your podcast for years. Yay. Even before I had kids. I love hearing about the history of names and learning new names. That being said, my daughter's name isn't in your database. Her name is Viva, V-E-V-A. It was my grandma's name and my great-grandma's name. Every time I say her name, people are so surprised. Her name means to live, as far as I know. If you know any history of this name, please let me know, as I would love to know more about it being a family name on my mom's side. Thank you so much, Kata. K-A-T-A, pretty. Oh, yeah, I like her whole name, Kata. So Viva with an I has the Latin root of life or to live, but it's possible that Viva, V-E-V-A, is an entirely different name. So when I did some digging from my research, I would venture to guess it's a shortened form of Genoveva, which is the Basque or Spanish version of Genevieve. And that means wife or woman of the family. Okay, thanks for looking into that. I think Viva is darling. I think it's beautiful. I do too. And I like the spelling of it. It's a little different. It's a variation or something similar to Veronica, which of course I love. Because we used to call her Vivi. We did. And you could call Viva Vivi, but it's the same amount of syllables, so I guess it's not really a nickname. Um, Yeah, and we are due to do a this or that episode, and Viva would be a great alternative to Vera, which has become more popular. Definitely. Great. Okay, second one. This is specifically for me. Dear Jennifer, I was amazed to see your name is Jennifer Moss because my maiden name was Janice Moss. Your mother did a better job of naming than mine did. She once admitted that if she'd realized how poorly the names divided, she'd have picked something other than my first name Janice and my middle name Michelle. 
When I made interview appointments, people thought my name was Jana Smoss or Jan Asmoss. <laughs> and they'd look for my paperwork under A or S instead of M. One time when I told somebody my full name, Janice Michelle Moss, they said, too many M's and SM's and SHM's. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Who are they? <laughs> Forget you. <laughs> with the last name Moss, they should have avoided first or middle names with M, S, or SH sounds, which is basically true. So I'm glad to see that's what your parents did. Sincerely, Janice Moss. <laughs> well, I've always liked my name and how it kind of flowed into my last name. Both Jennifer and Mallory are three-syllable names, and they work well with Moss. Jennifer Moss. Mallory Moss. I think yours sounds a little nicer than mine. But Janice Moss. Janice. It does sound like Jana Smoss. Mm-hmm. It does. <laughs> the only way people misspell my last name or mishear it is M-A-A-S. Yeah, I hear that too. For Moss. I mean, do I look Nordic? I don't think so. (laughs) But, you know, Moss is a made-up name in our family anyway, so that's kind of silly. What do you mean by that, Jennifer? We've told this story before. Maybe it's their first episode. Okay. Our original surname was Moos, M-O-O-S. In German, it's Moos. When they came to America, it was pronounced Moose. My Dad and his brother hated the last name Moose. And after my dad and my mom had our two older sisters, they (laughs) changed the surname to Moss. And also his father had passed. So Grandpa Moose was long gone. And Grandma had remarried. So Moose was not her surname. So they all got together and he and his brother changed it to Moss. And if you go back and listen to our Jewish names part two, it was very common to change your surname and change it as a family. So that came up in that episode. The other thing was that our mother's maiden name rhymed with Moose. So that was a little silly. Definitely. (laughs) So everyone was very happy when we all changed it to Moss. Mm -hmm. All right. So that's the episode. Please join us in our Facebook group to talk about this or any other episode. We thank Dr. Iman Nick again for joining us. Mm -hmm. This is very important Mm -hmm. information, and I'm so glad that she encouraged us to do this episode and get it out there. So join us in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash baby names podcast, and come hang with us. Bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Hola. Hola. Wait, that's goodbye. Hello. (laughs) Okay, bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) 